But how many of you like those new drums and those panels? What sounded great. Uh, Brandon, you were able to, to just baptize them today and uh, just, just first time played, sound awesome. Amen. Actually, a new keyboard, too. Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. At this time, Pastor Mike is going to come and he's going to minister the word. Would you just give him a great appreciation for all that he does in ministering to the youth and ministering to so many people? God bless you, Pastor Mike. Amen. Amen. You guys ready for the word? What a great, great morning to soften our hearts and get us ready. Amen. I believe God has something for us. And we had the altar time, so at the end, we're going to just link arms and we're going to pray together as we go out and just believe God has a few more things in store for us for 2023. Amen? Amen. Could you stand with me real quick as we pray and ask God's blessing over the word? I want to read one of the scriptures that we are going to be in. Today, God is going to give us a new, a different mindset. How many of you need a different mindset going into the new year? We need to allow the Holy Spirit to give us and work in us a different mindset. Isaiah 9, verse 1 says, But there would be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. Matthew 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Heavenly Father, right now we ask for the anointing that comes from your word. We ask for our hearts to be softened, our minds to be open to receive what you want to speak this morning. We thank you for the move of your spirit. We thank you for what your Holy Spirit is doing in us and in our region. And we are so excited for what you have in store. Teach us in your word. Transform us in your word how to get a different mindset, your mind, your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As he went about his work on Friday... A young, as yet unnamed engineer working on the reconstruction of the Route 195 Washington Bridge noticed something unusual in the steel holding up the span. He called over a supervisor, and three days later on Monday afternoon, the highway that was used to have 90,000 drivers to cross the Seekonk River each day was suddenly closed, gridlocking the Providence metro area and severing the key connection between the east and the west halves of the state. Bill, if you can put picture number one up. These are pictures that were actually taken from under the bridge. One of the things that the engineer noticed was that the base was sheared, and that word means cut off or broken off. Saw that there was a corrosion to the base of the bridge. Corroded means to destroy or damage slowly by chemical reaction. Picture three. Another picture that they took said there was a gap between the cantilever and beam seat. The cantilever is a long beam projecting from a wall, and it's used for support. The beam set is a substructure unit supporting the superstructure. And as you can see, they could even put their clipboard on, and there was actually movement every time the cars were going over the bridge. And lastly, in picture number four, there was an issue with the tie-down cables. Now, tie-down cables are criti critical components 
of uplift restraint bearings and bridges. Damage of a tie-down cable substantially affects the safety of a bridge and driving conditions. The Lord has been speaking to me with what he's been doing in this region, and sometimes he'll give me a, a picture, and he'll give me uh, something to go by. And the, the common thread lately has been bridges. And I believe that in less than three years, we are going to be hosting one of the biggest global events known as the FIFA World Cup 2026. I have a sister-in-law who works in the uh, convention center, and a year ago, so four years before it, they're already booking. They're already doing things, getting ready for that, because we're going to have thousands and millions. They're saying it could be the biggest showing of people, 5.5 million people coming over, and we're hosting it. So we're going to have Logan Airport's going to be flooded. Providence Airport's going to be flooded. Hotels are going to be filled. There's going to be such a massive influx of people. And this hasn't been publicized, but I believe that's why they're doing so much work even in front of the mall. I believe that they're thinking ahead for the amount of weight and the amount of cars and people that are going to be coming through. And I believe what happens physically, there's also something spiritual that happens. And the Lord told me, I asked him, you know, Sometimes when you're going through something and you don't understand why, one of the greatest questions you can sit and, th and say to God is, God, I knew that you knew what this was going to happen, but what are you doing through it? Recently, you know, my wife and I, our family, we were in a hotel for three months, and we didn't know it was going to be three months, but two weeks into it, we wanted to pull our hair out. I remember I was sitting on the hotel bed, and one of the things, I looked out the window, and I simply said this to the Lord. I said, God, I know you knew that this was going to happen, so what are you doing in this, and what are you doing in me through it? The heavens didn't open, the Holy Spirit didn't fill the hotel room, but God began to speak during that season in our, in our lives. So now we've had this disruption that, that shell-shocked all of our region. My wife, many of you know, she works in Swansea at a school. It took a teacher in her school five hours to get from Swansea to North Providence because of the disruption. And I believe that as they are fixing the bridge that couldn't hold the weight of these cars, this engineer saw the damage that was done, and now they're doing work to fix it, and now the bridge is going to be better than ever. And I believe spiritually in our lives, God does the same thing. There are things in our lives that the Holy Spirit, who's an engineer of our souls, he comes in and he puts his finger on things in our lives, things that have to be adjusted, things that can't carry the weight of what God wants to do in your life. We don't like exposure. The enemy tries to use exposure as a, as a place in our lives to make us feel condemned, to make us feel ashamed. But Jesus uses the light of the gospel to expose the things in our lives so that we can live in freedom. Amen? If you could put that picture up, Bill, of the text messages. I want to show you a, t a text message, and there's going to be a connection here with the idea of bridges. So I sent this to a friend of mine. This was back in the beginning of the summer. I said, we went to the Providence Fireworks last night with a group, with a family, and it was actually, I was walking with Caleb. We were looking at all the, the, everything that was going on, and there had to have been thousands of people that were packed right near the bridge. And I texted this to a friend of mine as I was praying. I said, I felt in my spirit that this will be a place where we at the church will gather for worship. I said, then this morning I woke up to this scripture, Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of our own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And I put this place is at a, at a major intersection of our state, right at the merge of 195 and 95. I've been praying for an outdoor space to do a worship service, and I just said we'll keep praying because the vision is overwhelming and it has to be God who gives the favor. I remember even thinking when we were there, imagine if something happened to this bridge. 
and what that would do to the economy and what that would do. And then I said this. I said, there's an old rusty bridge I always see driving by. How many of you have seen this bridge? Many a times. And the Lord told me to look it up and see what it was, and this is what I found. The Crook Point Vascular Bridge, or the Seekonk River Drawbridge, is a defunct Scherzer rolling lift bridge which spans the Seekonk River connecting the city of Providence, Rhode Island, to the city of East Providence. Stuck in the open position since its abandonment in 1976, it is known by nearby residents as the Stuck-Up Bridge and has become somewhat of a local icon of urban decay. The Lord showed me a drawbridge a while back, and you can take that down right now, but he showed me this drawbridge, and we have a great connection with the school next door, and as we've been praying for it, the Lord began telling me, I want you to set up a table, and I want you to serve the students when they get out, hot chocolate in the winter and cold drinks in the summer. And so I began serving and going out, and the first time I probably had maybe 10, 15 kids, and the mission was to just be there. Don't bring Bibles, don't bring anything, but just be there and love on them. Here we are three years later, and this past weekend has been just crazy. We've been running around. Friday was a crazy day. We had our merge night, and I wasn't going to do the stand but because I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm exhausted. There's still so much more to be done, but I just felt set the stand up. So I set the stand up. And if you can believe it, it was the biggest stand that we've ever had. We ran out of hot water for hot chocolate. All the snacks were gone. We had 13 to 15 kids along the table going eight to nine rows back. The principal came out. People, the kids were swarming around. We were just, I actually had to recruit one of the students to help open the packets because it was, the process was so slow. And God has been moving in that stand. And when I was driving to the church before I started, the Lord showed me this drawbridge that was at the, church, the, build, the uh, school building, and it dropped and slammed at the front entrance of our church building. And through that, we have seen God just move and bring people. We have a student who attends that school who's actually in the children's ministry right now, serving God, serving your children because of the work that God has done in your lives. Amen? How many of you know that God is in the move and he is working in our lives? Amen? He's pointing things out in our lives, not to expose in a sense of condemnation, but to expose so that he can do the work in us, so that when he places the weight on us for what he wants to do, we aren't going to crash, we aren't going to crumble, and we aren't going to break. Amen? But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. A different mindset. We need a different mindset. Sometimes we live in the former days of darkness when God has called us to walk in the latter days of joy. So how do we do that? As the Christmas season is coming up, we're thinking about gifts, we're thinking about all these things, but we can't forget that the main focus is Jesus, that Jesus came to bring hope to a dark place, to people who are going through a dark place in their lives. How many of you have ever gone through a dark valley in your life? I want to share some context of this prophetic word that was spoken about the birth of Jesus. Here it's talking about if this area here was Israel, and the top of this, the country of Israel is where the Assyrian army came in and they begin to attack and to destroy Israel. 
Israel had disobeyed God. They had pushed away. They had brought idols in their life, and God had warned them. He said, if you don't do what I have asked you to do, if I don't do what I've set before you to do, then there's only a matter of time where I will remove my hand of protection and allow a nation to come in. And that's exactly what happened. The Assyrian army was one of the worst armies they actually took pride in mass executions. They would actually take the heads of their victims and they would decorate trees with them. They would wear them as necklaces because they wanted to instill fear in the country. So what they would do is they would come in, they would invade, and that's what they did to Israel. They invaded from the north and they came in. And how many of you know if they're invading from the north, where, who's going to get the worst of it? The north. And so the north got struck by this Assyria. And what they did is they took 27,000 at least from the land of Israel and brought them into their land. There were two reasons. One, they wanted to make them slaves. And two, they wanted to make sure that they could not rise up and revolt and take them down. There are things in our lives that the enemy wants to do. There are things, sometimes we're born into situations that we have no control over. We're born into very dark areas, and we have to rely on the hope of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is hope. Amen? It's hope to a dying world. And so this Assyrian army, what they would also do is they would take, they would actually cut off the limbs of some of these victims and allow them to walk through the streets so that it would continue to strike fear in the people of Israel. They used fear as a motivator. How many in your life have ever been uh, struck by someone who's used fear in your life to keep you where you are? Amen? There's a spirit of fear that is gripping our nation, but the message of hope is in this scripture here. This prophetic word was being prophesied even before the destruction happened. So what God was saying is, I know that destruction is coming, but I'm giving you a light of hope to take into that dark place in your life. Amen? We need to look to the latter and not to the former. Sometimes we get so stuck in the past. We get so stuck in the things that have happened in our past. And Jesus is telling us, I am hope. We don't have to wait for Jesus. He's already come. And what I love about this area is it says that, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt. But then look at, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. The light of Jesus exposes the things that the enemy tries to tuck away and hide in our lives. Amen? We need to learn how to live in the latter, not the former. I, I was a victim of that. I can be a test to that. Where we, My twin brother and I, we were born into drug addiction. Our mom abandoned us at the hospital. They wouldn't even allow her to take us home because she was so uh, caught up with drugs. And so she left us. So I was in the ICU for a month. My twin brother was in the ICU for two months. And so they actually found a nurse and said, will you be willing to take these kids home? So what happens when you're born into darkness, when you're born into a, a time where... The, the former is you feel like you, don't, you can't get ahead because you were already born into something that you had no control over. Jesus is our hope. Nothing takes him by surprise. Amen? I remember there were times where that nurse, who is my mom now, who's watching on the live stream, she took us in as a nurse, and she adopted, she got us into church, she got us into a Christian school, 
And four years later, my, biolog my uh, biological mom came back to try and take us away. And so there was a time where we had to go back and forth, and we had to go back into the darkness. We were exposed to the light of God. We were exposed to the church and what Jesus was doing. But what happens when you feel like you're going backwards? I can't even imagine the emotions that my mom went through, praying and believing that we would be released. And there were times where I would run upstairs under my bed when my biological mom would come and get us. And I would hide under the bed like this because I didn't want to go back to the darkness. And my mom would get on her belly and she would speak life. She would say, this is not how it's always going to be. She would pray over us. And there were times where we'd have to get out from under the bed and we'd have to leave. She'd have to see us get in the car and go to this place where she knew there was abuse, where she knew there was all this kind of stuff going on. But she prayed and she believed because God gave her a word. Sometimes things don't change overnight. It doesn't change when you want it to change, but you've got to believe in the word of the Lord. When God speaks something, he will bring it to completion. And so a court case began to come, and we had to go back and forth. And our worship leader, she would march around the courthouse praising God and worshiping him during the court case, where finally the judge released us from that place of darkness. But they sent us to a foster home for two weeks. And because of what my mom had instilled in me in those, two, those, those times of just being under the bed, I began to devise a plan with my twin brother where I said, I'm going to scream, and we're going to scream until this foster home kicks us out. And so we began to do that. We began to scream, and they did everything they could. They tried to give us whatever, and we kept screaming to the point where they called DCF, and they said, we can't take these kids anymore. You've got to come and get them. And at 8 o'clock at night, a car pulled up. We went into the car, and we got reunited at a Dunkin' Donuts with my mom. She adopted us a year later because she believed in what the Lord had said to her. There are seasons of darkness that we will go through. There are times of, of living in the former where God is doing certain things, but we have to learn to keep our eyes on the ladder, on what God is doing ahead of time. I believe in our region, we've been praying for revival, but I believe God is already beginning to do it. And I believe what happened on that bridge speaks to the spiritual things of what God is going to do in our region. He wants to do something massive in this region. And so what he's doing is he's sending his Holy Spirit as an engineer into our souls, and he's pointing out things, stress areas, places that shouldn't be moving or wavering, and God is going to replace those things because he wants to do something in this area. Amen? I believe there's going to be a move of the Spirit in this region. I believe there's going to be a move of the Spirit across this nation one more time before Jesus comes back. And so he is trying to get his church ready and prepared for what he wants to do. Can you say amen? Let's take 10 seconds and just begin to praise God. Just begin to praise him right now for what he's doing. If you're living in the former, look to the latter. Jesus is our hope. He has already come. He already has a word. In the darkest places, Jesus was born. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. You know what was awesome? The northern part of Israel, who was living in that dark place with the Assyrian army, when Jesus was born, guess where most of his public ministry was? It was in that place of need. In the darkest place, the people who experienced the darkest moments, that's where Jesus dwells. Amen? That's what he came to earth to do. There is no dark area in your life or in your past that the light of the gospel cannot shine and expose and bring life into your life. Amen? That is what God is doing. He goes on to say, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest. Harvest time was a time of celebration. So what a word to get in a dark place. 
Harvest time was a time to enjoy the fruit of your work. You no longer have to plow. You no longer have to sow. It's a time to gather. It's a time to reap. It's a time of celebration. And that's what Jesus' ministry meant. He was coming and he brings joy. We, how many of you know we can experience joy in the dark places of our lives because of what God is doing? It goes on to say, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. This signified the end of a war. When a nation conquered another nation, they got to go in and take what was theirs. They got to take money. They got to take clothes. They got to take things to uh, put in their homes. This is what Jesus came to do. Amen? The enemy has come in like a flood in the past, but Jesus has already come. He's already died on the cross. So no matter how dark your days seem, the light of the gospel shines in and it exposes and it brings life. Amen? For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. When the Lord gave us that idea to do the stand, it got to a place where I began to ask God after a year or two of doing it, you know, can I begin praying? And we did. We met a wrestler in his sophomore year, and he had hurt his shoulder. And so Tara and I said, can we just pray with you? We didn't do it there, but we did it later. And he came to the stand a few weeks later, and we said, how's your shoulder? And he goes, I'm already back wrestling. He goes, it's healed. The doctor gave me a, a, a clearance to play. And he was at the stand last Friday. This is his senior year. And he's becoming almost every week. And God is moving in his life. You can see it in his eyes. We pray over that territory that when the students come and they enter in, that they will experience the light of Jesus. The light of God, it shines and it enlightens. The enemy wants to say, don't step into it because everything in your life is going to be exposed. But the Holy Spirit says, step into it because I'm going to show you the things in your life that need to be broken off so that you can walk in freedom. Amen? And so what was so powerful, this was the biggest stand we've ever had. And two of the teachers in the school, who I won't say their names, but I've had access into those schools, the, least, the two teachers who I never thought would promote the vision of the school, they came over to the stand, and this is the question that they asked. They said, you do a youth group, don't you? And they said, what night do you do the youth group? I said, 7 o'clock. They said, they looked at the students. They said, you guys should be going to the youth group. Have you guys gone to the youth group? They began promoting what God is doing here. The drawbridge slammed on the church, and God is using it to bring in people because that's what he wants to do in this region. Amen? God is moving, and we have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to come in like an engineer and begin to shift things in our lives. Amen? The three things that we want to focus on and what the Lord is going to be doing in this new year is he wants to change, with our mindset, he wants to change our idea of worship, our idea of devotion, and our idea of commitment. We have an idea of what each of those mean. I listened to a message by uh, Pastor Tim from uh, Times Square Church, and the, the title of the message captivated me. It said, Why, where have we made worship into singing? So I clicked it. I was like, that's interesting. And one of the most powerful things he said in that is he said the first time that worship is ever mentioned in the Bible is Genesis 22.5 when it speaks about I, I, uh, Abraham taking his son Isaac to go sacrifice him. Worship isn't just music. And what Pastor Tim said in that message, he said, worship is obedience. If we make worship about songs, anybody can sing, but not everybody can obey God. True worship is when we hear the voice of the Lord and we obey in what he wants us to do. Amen? We have to change our mindset to what and how we worship. Amen? In Matthew 2, 
It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. We see worship in three different areas in this scripture, two referencing the wise men and one referencing King Herod. Because later in the text, you'll see that King Herod tries to get a group of people and say, find out where this king is so that I may come and worship him as well. How many of you know that we can say that we worship, but we can have a different mindset when we do that? Amen? The wise men came from afar because they believed that the king was being born. Herod was so insecure of his throne that he would kill his own family members at just the thought of them trying to take his place. And I love what it says here in the, in the scriptures because it says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. That word troubled in the Greek means agitate. He was agitated. How many of you know when the spirit of God is moving, you either flow with the current or it begins to agitate your life because it begins to upset what you want. You have to look at your heart and see who is seated on the throne of my heart. Jesus is begging. He's knocking at the door. Never forces, but he's asking to be seated at the throne of our hearts so that he can direct our lives and use his plans according to his purposes and not our will. Amen? But Herod didn't want to hear that. And what I love is that these wise men came to Jerusalem because they expected that there would be an excitement at the same level that they had. But when they came into Jerusalem, it was like a dull roar. They didn't understand. They said, we've come from afar to this place, and there should be people who are interested in this king, but no one was interested. What would you do if, when the World Cup comes, and we have nations flying in from all over, they come into our church, and they begin to talk to you about Jesus? What expression are you going to have? How involved are you going to be? How much are you able to talk about what Jesus is doing in your life? Or are you going to be like Herod, who in his heart, he ruled his own life. And so the thought of another king coming in, it agitated him, and it agitated the people as well. He had struck fear in them. You know what was interesting about Herod is he was good at building things. He was one of the best. And so the Jews at that time tolerated him because of what he built. But how many of you know it doesn't matter what you build? If the Holy Spirit comes in and finds areas in your life, something is going to crumble. Amen? And that's what happened in his life. So God is looking at its church right now. He's scanning areas in our, in our lives and in our hearts. And if we allow him to do that, then there's going to be a season in the latter where we're going to get to take this boy. We're going to enjoy the fruits. It was, it's a lot of work setting up that stand every Friday. But it's amazing to now be able to live in what seems like God is accelerating things at a super fast pace. Why? Because it takes labor to, to toil. It takes labor to sow. It takes labor to believe in what God is doing. But if we do it because we have faith and we know that God wants to accomplish something, there will be a day where you are going to begin to reap. There's going to be a day where you're going to begin to take in the spoils and walk in the harvest of what you have been praying for all of these years. Amen? Jumping back to verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Jesus could have come back like a man to defeat sin. Adam wasn't a baby. Adam was created as a man. Jesus could have come as a man and started as a man. But he chose to come as a weak baby so that he could sympathize with us, sympathize with our needs. 
And I love how it goes on to say, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Did you know that it costs you something to worship and be devoted and be committed to Jesus? It costs us something. It costs the wise men something. That worship, when it says that we have come to worship him, in the Greek it means this. Among the Orientals, especially the Persians, it means to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. The light of Jesus exposes things in our lives. Herod wanted to worship. The wise men wanted to worship. But their motives were exposed. And I love how it says that Herod told them, when you go to and find the king, I want you to send word back to me. Especially the younger generation. You have to understand that you are under authority, but when that authority goes against the word of God, you have to understand where are you devoted to and where are you committed. It says that they listened to Herod, but it said that the Lord warned them in a dream. Whose voice are you going to listen to? The voice of the culture or the voice of God? What I love is that anytime God wants to do something, do you know that there's spiritual resistance? It wasn't just in the, light, the, the life of Jesus. It was in the life of Moses. We see the same thing. Moses was going to be used to lead God's people out of slavery. And what happened? The Egyptians came in. They started killing babies. When Ken Herod found out that he says in the scriptures that the wise men had tricked him, the wise men didn't actually trick them, but he had it in his mind a certain way, and God exposed him. It said when he found out they tricked him, it says they sent people in, and they began to kill all of the babies that were two or under. The enemy wants to come after the work of God in your life, but how many of you know that hundreds of years before Jesus was born, a prophetic word went out that Jesus would come, he would be born in a manger, that the government would rest on his shoulders. Thank God it's not resting on my shoulders or anyone else's, but it would be resting on his shoulders. Leaders will come in and out of the White House, but the government will rest on his shoulders and there will be no end to his term. Amen? No end to the term of what God wants to do and accomplish in our lives. Amen? What might such a government look like? First of all, it would look like it's king. Politicians of this day look for what they can get from you. Jesus looks for what he can do for you. Leaders of this day surround themselves with servants. Jesus surrounds us with his servanthood. Leaders of this day use their power to build their empire. Jesus uses his power to wash our feet and to make us clean. Leaders of this day trade their influence for money. God so loved the, wor the, lo the world that he gave. Generals of this day need regular wars to keep their weapons and skills up to date to ensure their own advancement. Jesus brings peace and rest to the hearts. The higher the plane of importance one reaches in this world, the more inaccessible he becomes. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. Leaders of this day are desperate to be seen and heard. Jesus sought anonymity so he could be useful. 
obviously Jesus is not in charge of the halls of Washington, London, Moscow, or Baghdad, or Paris. So how can we ever believe the government will be upon his shoulders? Actually, the government shows its workings in wonderful ways. Whenever I see someone who miraculously leaves a life of drugs or alcohol and is restored to his family and work, I can see that he is now governed by God. Whenever I see loving Christians gently caring for orphans and those rejecting by family, I know I am watching people governed by God. Whenever I see people eagerly learning the Bible and joyously praising, I know who the governor is. Whenever I see people live, give up a lucrative careers simply to go and share the good news of Jesus, I know they are governed by God. When I see pastors carefully teach and lead the flock God has given to them, I know they are getting signals from the great king. When I see people leave family to live and teach in distant lands because they love the people who have not heard, I know they are governed by God. Are you ready to live in the latter? Are you ready to give up the former? How many of you are willing to give up the darkness and the formal to walk in the joy of the latter? That's what Jesus came to do. He's done a new thing, but we've got to change our mindset. We've got to allow God to change our mindset of what worship is, of what devotion is, and what commitment is. Tara, if you can come up here real quick. Yeah. In a relationship, I'm going to have you just stand right here. And I just want you to walk with me in a straight line. A relationship with God is walking with him. But sometimes what we do is when other people come into our lives, what we do is you just keep walking. We drift away to look like something else. And then when church comes or youth group comes and we get back into that relationship, we turn and we tell people, I'm a Christian, I'm living for God. But in our workplaces, when it's really hard and we're afraid of losing maybe a position, then we kind of just drift a little bit of away. And then when we get out of work, then we come back over and we say, I'm a Christian. There's going to come a time where you're going to be standing before Jesus. And you're going to say, I prophesied, I healed, I did A, B, and C. And Jesus is going to look at the person he's going to say, I never knew you. The interesting thing is Tara never changed the trajectory of her line. Jesus never walks or deviates from the relationship with us. It's we who deviate and walk away from him. We need to redefine the idea of commitment and devotion in our lives. Can you stand with me? I'm just going to have Tara come up. We're going to close in prayer. Luke 5, 37 through 39 says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst, and the skins it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. Verse 38, But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. It's hard to let go of the old. How many of you have those things in your life that you just refuse to let go? We just did a cleaning in our house, and it was funny. We wanted our girls to get rid of a lot of their things and, and their toys. And so they were doing it most of the time. Most of, and, but it got to a point where there were a few things that we didn't want them to throw away because they meant something to us. If we want God to increase the load and the capacity of the spiritual things he wants to place on us, we have to allow the engineer, the Holy Spirit, to find the areas that are breaking inside of us. So when that weight gets put on us, we'll be able to carry the load. We can't do it in our own flesh. It has to be the work of Jesus in our lives. 
And some of you have been living in darkness for so long, but the light of Jesus has already come. It's already been prophesied. It's already been done. Amen? I want you, can one of you go get the girls? I want to pray over them. We're going to pray. We're going to close in prayer. But the Lord just wanted me to do something, so I just want to be obedient to that. But how many of you in here want to live in the ladder? Raise your hand. How many of you are willing to say, I'm taking out the old wineskins? I'm not going to put something new in the things that are old because when we try and do that, it's going to break and we lose it. We have to say, Lord, do something new in my life. Change my mindset. We have to do that. You know what's powerful is the, the, the spoken word in our lives. When I got, before we got adopted, me, my, uh, my mom brought us to church for the first time. And one of the pastors on staff looked at us because we were born drug addicted. We were, and so we didn't look great. And I'm sure there was darkness over us. And one of the things he said is, where did you get these two? And I remember when I first heard that, we don't realize that things that are spoken over us, we carry them through life, don't we? It can be the littlest, most subtle things, and we carry them. But what the Holy Spirit does because of what Jesus has already done, when he shines that light, he goes into that area and he mines those areas and he pulls it out. Many of you have had things spoken over your lives. Maybe many of you have seen things that the enemy has tried to tuck away and keep in dark places. Thank God that that engineer found that, those seams in that bridge. Because on the outside, it looked great. It's a beautiful bridge. But it's on the inside that matters. And some of us, we look great on the outside. And we don't want to be exposed because we're afraid of what people are going to do. And we're afraid of what people are going to think. But exposure brings life when it's the light of the gospel. Amen? Amen? I want to pray over these girls. Uh, the Lord just wanted to remind you that there was a time of deep darkness where when you had them in your womb, a lot of words were spoken over you about them. But you guys stood your ground. You sought the church, the, the leadership, and you prayed. You Lots of tears, lots of praying but faith was there. And the enemy used doctors to speak things over you, things that they even heard. And we're gonna break those off of them this morning. We're gonna break those word curses off of them so that they can live in the freedom of what God has. This is for you. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as in the day of Midian. You know, it's awesome. Psalm 23, 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy what? Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. That word rod is the same word used here. The enemy has a rod that he tries to use to govern us. And they tried to use that with different things. But the rod of Jesus protects. He breaks the rod of the enemy. And he is our shepherd. And he uses his rod to comfort us. And so if you can just extend your hands. We're going to anoint them or we're going to just break off every word curse over these girls. And you guys live in the harvest. The Lord said you're living in the harvest. Everything that they're doing, the joy that they're bringing you, the enemy's trying to steal away, but Jesus has already done the work. And so, Heavenly Father, right now we pray for these girls. We break off every word curse. We come against the spirit of infirmity over their lives. We take their DNA strand right now, we twist it and we untwist it and break off every genetic thing that was in them. And we pray for complete healing over their lives and over their minds. 
We rebuke the devil. We rebuke every doctor who said something that was negative, who said to terminate. We break that right now. And we pray, God, we pray for this couple, Father, that they would walk in the fruit of what they have labored in. They have sowed in tears. They have sowed in weeping. But now they will live in rejoicing. The former is the former, but is now the latter days. And, Father, we pray for a fresh season of rejoicing over them, O oh God. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So can we link arms right now? And we're going to just close this service, and we're going to just pray together and just ask God to seal this word in us. And let's stretch across the aisles so that everybody's connected. If you're one of those people who are freaked out still about COVID, then put an elbow out. I want to say one more thing while you guys are connected. You know how sometimes when things happen that you don't expect it and you ask God, what are you doing? When the bridge happened, Tara and I were so frustrated because we knew it was going to change our whole lives. So I said to the Lord, okay, you knew that this was going to happen, so what are you going to do in this? And I wasn't really saying it that nice. But I remember pastor dropped me off at my apartment and because I had to go to a Christmas party for our girls. And because of the construction and all that was happening, if I dropped my wife off at the school and then tried to come into the office, I'd be coming in at like two or three hours later. So I said, I'll just take an Uber. And so pastor dropped me off at my house and I'm like racing to get ready because I'm watching the Uber count go up and I'm seeing the traffic get more red. And I'm thinking, I, I got to get that Uber before this turns into a, 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 a small fortune. And so finally, I booked the Uber car, and I get in the vehicle, and we're driving, and I realized I put in the wrong address. So it's bringing me to a different place. And so I'm talking to the Uber driver, and we start. And I told him, just drop me off at uh, the Outback, because I said it's, gonna, it's saying it's going to cost me $90 to, to, to reroute. So I said, I'll just get another Uber. So I talked to him, and turns out I just gave him a little bit of cash, and he brought me to my destination. And we started talking about God. And so we just started talking about what God is doing. And I told him that I serve at a church here in Providence. And we just started just, you could feel the Holy Spirit come into the car. And that man is standing right here, Franklin. I just want to introduce him. He is here this morning. And God, through a faulty bridge, God is bringing relationships. God is bringing connections. And Franklin, I want to tell you that the Lord told me that he is doing a work in you. Your wife and your two kids, eight and five, may be over there. I don't, that bridge is going to slam from India over to here. And I don't know if it's for you to go back over or if it's done to come back over here. But God is doing something in your eight-year-old and your five-year-old and your wife and in you. And I believe that it's not by accident that you are here. God is using you. He sees your hard work. He sees your dedication. And he's going to change your mindset. You're going to see good things. You're going to be walking in a harvest of good things because of your faithfulness. Amen. Thank God for a faulty bridge. Thank God for dark areas in our lives. Because the darker the area, the brighter Jesus shines. Amen? If you think you're in darkness now and you, no one ever has been in anything darker, then guess what? The light's going to shine the brightest in your life. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray right now. We ask you to shine the light of the gospel in our lives. We don't have to wait for you to come because you've already come. You've already died on the cross. You've already done the work. We don't have to live in the former. We can live in the latter right now. And we are waiting for you to come back. But until then, would you take this church 
Send the Holy Spirit in. Point out every crack and crevice and default so that we can carry the weight of what you want to do in this region. Revival is here. It's being birthed in this region. And so prepare us, oh God. As the world prepares for the World Cup and the influx of people, we're going to prepare for the influx of souls into the kingdom. They may be celebrating a game, but we're going to be celebrating the kingdom and we're going to see thousands enter into the heavens because of a game. And so God, prepare us in these weeks leading into the new year. Give us a new mindset, a different mindset. Show us what it means to worship, to be obedient, even when it's hard, even when it requires sacrifice. Show us how to be obedient so that we can see the workings of the Holy Spirit burst through, oh God. Show us what it means to be devoted. Show us what it means to be committed. We will not take your hand and push it away when we go into the world. We will cling to you. We will cling to the cross. We won't be ashamed to say that we are sons and daughters of God and the people who are living in darkness will see a great light of Jesus living in us. They'll see a great light of Jesus in Victory Church, every surrounding neighborhood, every outreach place, every shelter will get the light of Jesus this season and souls will come into the kingdom of heaven because we are now worshiping the way that we were made to worship. We are now devoted the way that we're supposed to be devoted. We are now committed to the gospel. Jesus, we are committed to you. You see this church, hands gathered all across this sanctuary. We are committed to your work right now. So we ask that you would do it. We thank you for the drawbridge from the school next door. We thank you that secular teachers are bringing youth into the youth room. They're promoting the gospel and they don't even know it. That's what you do when we surrender. That's what you do when we are committed. That's what you do when we sow in tears and have faith believing in what you're going to do. And so Holy Spirit, we ask you to move across this church move in our lives bring the lost back to you make sickness and disease go away and bow at your feet we thank you that we can live in the harvest we thank you that we can live in the spoil we don't have to live in the former days we can live in the latter days where there is joy there is abundance there is increase we speak increase in the city of Providence, increase in the surrounding cities and the surrounding states. Pour your spirit out over New England once again. We want to see a move of your spirit across this nation, oh God. Start here with us, oh God. Start here with us, oh God. Expose us, oh God. Expose the areas that the enemy has hidden away. And when you mine it, take it out and fill us with your spirit because that bridge is coming. It needs to be completed because there is a weight that you want to place on this church that we have to be able to carry and it's not in the flesh. We praise you and we thank you and we honor you for all that you're going to do. And it is in the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Praise him, praise him. Worship him. Even if you're in darkness, worship him. Praise his holy name. Jesus is moving. We will see you guys Wednesday. Have a great week and God bless you.